Welcome to Her Story Sessions. I'm Brittany, a woman on a mission to learn more about women throughout history and to share it with you all. If you like this show, be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and can be emailed at herstorysessionspodcast at gmail.com. The professionals in the field of science, technology, engineering, and math, or STEM for short, have traditionally been held by mostly men. Today, I'm covering some of the pioneering women of those fields. The first woman belongs to the science field, a French chemist by the name of Marie-Anne Lavioser. She was born as Marie-Anne Pierriette Pauls on January 20th, 1758, to a well-off noble family. When she was three, her mother died, and her father sent to a convent where several of her aunts were and could look after her, while her brother stayed with her father. But she was well looked after at the convent and received a good education, learning math, drawing, handwriting, music, history, geography, and had plenty of recreational time, too. She stayed here for 10 years, becoming a talented, self-assured girl until she was 13 when her father came back for her to have her come home and run the household. But her arrival in the noble social circles meant that soon her father was being pressured to marry her off. He received a marriage proposal for her from Count d'Amerval, a 50-year-old, poor and low-ranking nobleman, and 37 years older than Marie. Her father didn't want this for her, but was being pushed to allow it by his patron and other new proposals would keep coming. So he decided to find her someone that wasn't so old and was independently wealthy so they wouldn't need her for just her money. He made an offer to his colleague, Antoine Laurent de Laviosa, a gentleman and scientist uniquely concerned about fairness in the system and the scientifically driven improvement of France's agricultural and manufacturing capabilities. Antoine accepted, and they were married on December 16, 1771, when he was 28 and Marie was 13. In 1775, Antoine became the gunpowder administrator, and the couple moved to Paris, where Antoine became more interested in chemistry and built a state-of-the-art chemistry lab. Soon Marie became interested, too, and began to participate in his work there. She received some formal training from two of her husband's colleagues, and the couple then worked together as a team, with Marie acting as a lab assistant, spending most of their time in the lab researching and conducting experiments. She made entries into lab notebooks, edited his reports, sketched diagrams of the experimental designs, and accurately and precisely drew experimental apparatuses, which ultimately helped many of Antoine's contemporaries understand his methods and results. Marie also began to translate English chemistry documents into French for him and kept up correspondence with other scientific minds of the day. It was one of her translations that ultimately led him to believe that the current chemistry ideas about phlogiston, a supposed fire-like element which is gained or released during a material's combustion, was entirely wrong and led to studying combustion and the discovery of oxygen gas. Together, they completely changed the chemistry field, uprooting the old ideas that were based in alchemy. Marie also played a vital role in the 1789 publication of Antoine's elementary treatise on chemistry, which presented a unified view of the chemistry field. This was pivotal work for the progression of chemistry. She contributed 13 drawings of all of the laboratory equipment and instruments used in the experiments and kept strict records of the procedures, which lended validity to the findings. Things were going well for them until the Reign of Terror, when Anton was accused of being a traitor along with Marie's father for the prominent positions they held in the monarchical tax collection system, even though he had argued for economic changes in France. 
He surrendered to the revolutionaries in November of 1973, and Marie began arguing his case, presenting his accomplishments as a scientist and visiting Antoine at Port Libre where he was being held. But her efforts failed, and he was executed on May 8, 1794, and her father was executed on that same day. Marie herself ended up being arrested and spent 65 days in jail and had all of her money and property confiscated until Robespierre was removed from power. After some time, she got everything the government took from her back and organized for the publication of Antoine's collected final works, titled Memoir de Chimie, published in 1803. She wrote the preface attacking the revolutionaries and Antoine's contemporaries, blaming them for his death, but it ultimately was left out of the final publication. Her efforts in this would secure her husband's legacy. She remarried in 1804 to Count Rumford, but he enjoyed solitude and quiet, and she enjoyed socializing and hated turning away her friends and had regularly held salons for the many intellectuals of the time. The marriage was short-lived and they split after four years. She continued to host salons, providing a place for mathematicians and scientists to discuss new ideas. She also kept Antoine's last name her entire life as a sign of devotion to him. At the age of 78, she died suddenly at home on February 10, 1836. Another woman famed for her work, this one in mathematics, is Ada Lovelace. She was the only legitimate child of the poet Lord Byron and Annabella Milbank and was born as Augusta Ada Byron on December 10, 1815. Her parents split just five weeks after she was born, and when she was just a few months old, Lord Byron left England and never returned, dying when Ada was just eight. She never met him, although later in life she was fascinated with his poetry. Her mother, who believed that Lord Byron was insane, was adamant about her daughter rigorously studying mathematics and science to avoid Ada developing what she called volatile poetic insanity. Her mother also put her through what were supposed to be lessons on self-control as a way to keep her from developing her father's impulses by making her lie still for long periods at a time. Ada did have studies more common to girls at the time, but studying math and science was highly unusual for girls in the British Victorian times, although her mother was gifted in math herself. Her mother was dedicated to making sure Ada got a good education, but she did not spend much time with her. Among her tutors, her mother appointed was Mary Somerville, a Scottish astronomer and mathematician, and the first woman to be admitted to the Royal Astronomical Society, and Ada became close friends with her. At 12, Ada became obsessed with how birds fly and began to study what she called flyology. She conceptualized a machine that would flap attached wings. In a letter to her mother, she wrote, I have got a scheme to make a thing in the form of a horse with a steam engine on the inside so contrived as to move an immense pair of wings fixed on the outside of the horse in such a manner as to carry it up into the air as a person sits on its back. She even considered what materials to build it out of and how to use steam, which would be the source of the power. She was chronically ill as a child and had health issues all of her life. As a child, she complained of headaches that obscured her vision. In 1829, she contracted measles, which put her on a continuous bed rest for a year, and she was disabled for a time. In 1831, when she was 16, she could finally walk again using crutches. When she was 17, she was well enough to be presented at court and was able to dance at the events and impress the people present with her intelligence. Ada was a teenager when the Industrial Revolution was in full swing in Britain. 
Because of her position in society, she had access to meet intellectuals of the time, and this was how she met Charles Babbage, remembered as the father of the computer. In 1833, she was invited to a party hosted by him, and at it he revealed a machine he had been working on, a huge mechanical calculator called the Difference Engine. Powered by steam, it would methodically perform calculations using only addition by breaking them down into smaller pieces, known as the method of finite differences, and then print the values out onto a table accurate to within 31 decimal places. Tables were used in many areas, giving this machine a huge potential for the time. Ada understood this machine much better than any of the other party guests, and from then on, Charles would be her mentor and lifelong friend. In 1834, Charles Babbage then came up with a concept for an even better machine called the Analytical Engine, which is considered the world's very first general-purpose computer. This machine was massive, and during his lifetime, only a small trial engine was ever built. Ada decided to try to learn as much as she could about the engine, writing, I think I am more destined than ever in my future plans and have quite made up my mind that nothing must be suffered to interfere with them. I intend to make such arrangements in town as will secure me a couple hours daily, with very few exceptions for my studies. She married William King in 1835, and in 1838 he was made Earl of Lovelace, and she became the Countess of Lovelace. They had three children together, with Ada falling ill again for several months after the third pregnancy. She didn't give up on the analytical engine, though, and continued her studying after the third child was born, and in 1843 she translated and published a highly detailed and mathematical French article on the engine by Luigi Manabria, adding her own notes to it. These notes, which were three times as long as the original paper, included the first published description of a stepwise sequence of operations for solving certain mathematical problems, and she had the idea that it could be coded so that the numbers could stand for letters and symbols, seeing it have use past mathematical computations. She also described the process called looping, a computer process that is still used in computer programming today. Ada is often referred to as the first computer programmer because of all of this. As an adult, she continued to have health issues, and after a bout of cholera in 1837, she was prescribed a powerful opiate, which she was supposed to take with wine, and it caused hallucinations, mood swings, and altered her personality. She had somewhat more relaxed relationships with men, which led to rumors that she was having affairs. Then, in 1851, she started gambling on horses as a part of a gambling ring. She tried devising a mathematical equation to predict the winning horse, but this did not work out. She ended up losing the equivalent of about half a million pounds and pawned off some of the family jewels to pay the debt. In 1852, she developed uterine cancer, dying from it on November 27, 1852, when she was just 36. According to her wishes, she was buried next to her father in the Byron family vault. Ada's contributions weren't really appreciated until a hundred years later when scientist Alan Turing, who built a machine to crack the Nazi-coded messages during World War II, discovered her works in the 1940s, and he was inspired by her work. B.V. Bowden republished her notes in his book Faster Than Thought, a Symposium on Digital Computing Machines in 1953. In the 1970s, the U.S. Department of Defense developed a high-order computer programming language to replace the hundreds of different ones they were currently using and called it ADA. This is still used around the world today. In 2009, ADA Lovelace Day was founded by Sue Charman Anderson and is celebrated on the second Tuesday of October each year, which is the day this episode's released. 
This day is to celebrate women in STEM and aim to increase the number of women in these fields. In the U.S. in 1970, only 8% of STEM workers were women, while women made up 38% of the workforce in general. In 2019, women in STEM had increased to 27%, while the general workforce women were 48% of it. The number of women in social sciences has grown the most from 19% in 1970 to 64% in 2019. In math and physical science, they are just under half. But in computer and engineering occupations, which account for 80% of the U.S. STEM workforce, women account for 25% of computer workers, which it was higher than this in 1990, and 15% of engineering workers. In comparison, social sciences are only 3% of the STEM workforce. There are plenty more notable women in these fields, and I hope to cover more of them in the future. If you have suggestions, be sure to reach out to me on social media. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session. 